What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kind of Funny Podcast, a special one this week. We are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month by doing the final week and making it all Latinx here at Kind of Funny. My name is Andy Cortez, and this week's Kind of Funny Podcast is a special one. Uh, we are joined by a lot of awesome people throughout the game's uh, media industry or just media in general, and I'm super excited for this. Again, my name is Andy, and I'm joined by Elaine Gomez. Elaine, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Danny Pena, what's going on, man? Hello, all the way from New York City to the world. What's up? <laughs> Diana, Laura. Hello, everybody. Oh, there we go. No. There we go. She's she's in Sweden. She's in I'm Sweden. I'm in Sweden. So, Hello, yeah. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we have Joe Tirado. How's it going, Joe? What's up? I'm here. Um... I put on a shirt. I feel like I accomplished something today. <laughs> right. That's what most of us do. Yeah, whenever I put on jeans, it's definitely an accomplishment. And we have Christina Amaya. Hi, Christina. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, once again, guys, this is uh, Hispanic Heritage Week at Kind of Funny. And uh, this week, I kind of wanted to gra get a bunch of people, a bunch of folks together through the Latinx community and kind of just talk about where we are and how we got here. Uh, I think it's super important to hear those stories. But if you didn't know, this is the Kind of Funny podcast. Each and every week, four, sometimes five best friends gather on this table and talk about what's going on in their lives. Again, this is a special week, this one. Uh, so this episode's a bit different. Not what, not quite what you're used to. Uh, but we have an awesome group of people here with us. And one of my favorite things in podcasting, whenever I listen to podcasts, whenever I was wanting to get into game development and you know, I was in art school and kind of feeling inspired, I loved hearing stories of how people got where they are. And I think those stories are even cooler when those people are people of color and when they look like you, because it sort of makes you feel a little hope, you know, you feel sort of inspired by these people. So I kind of want to just go down through the panel. A lot of people who have listened to this podcast or listened to the shows, they know who I am already. They know what my story is, but I want to hear from you guys. Elaine, who are you? What do you do? And how'd you get here? So my name is Elaine Gomez. Um, I am a game designer at an indie studio called Eline Media, and I am also one of the co-founders of Latinx and Gaming. So we are an official nonprofit organization um, for Latinx creators in the games industry. So we have two other co-founders on the panel, so they can talk a little bit more about that. Um, but how I got into games, um, not a conventional path for sure. I mean, I feel like every game developer has like their own experience and how they got into the industry. Mine was very academically based. I actually was a biomedical engineering major at school with a pre-med track, so I really wanted to be a surgeon, um, and I really wanted to get into, like, cardiovascular surgery just because I have history, like, medical history with that, so I was like, oh, I want to help people like me who have issues like me, and I can, like, uh, really resonate with their issues just because I've been there, but um, I decided that uh, pre-med was really hard, <laughs> um, and <laughs> definitely against my parents, right? Because my parents, like Latino parents are like that, right? It's either you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be an engineer. Um, and when I said, I'm going to go to grad school for game development and game design, they were like, what? <laughs> like, you're going to do what? Um, and they didn't understand it. It wasn't actually until the day that I received my diploma from USC, which is at the moment, it was the number one game design game development program in the United States um, until I got my degree that day. That's when they finally understood, like, this is a big deal. Like, you're going to actually have a career. You're going to set your own path, even though it's not conventional. So that opened a lot of doors for me, specifically academia. 
Um, and that allowed me to teach game design and game development at a college level because you need either a PhD or some type of terminal degree in order to teach at university level, usually. Um, so I had the awesome privilege to do that and to inspire the next generation of folks who wanted to get into games. And then finally, it was my turn after a year and a half of graduating to actually become a game designer at a studio. Um, and I've been at Eline ever since um, and I've learned so many things. Uh, games are really hard to make. Um, so kudos to every single team who really works their asses off to publish games because it's not easy, especially when the bigger the studio is, the more creative clash. The It's like having too many chefs in the kitchen situation where everybody wants their little input and it's really hard to come to one decision. Um, but I'm really uh, excited to be part of the industry and be the change that I want to see because there's I've always been told that I'm a unicorn in games. I am Latina and I am a woman and I'm in the game design position. There's literally 0.01% of us in that space like that. And uh, I aspire to just keep climbing the ladder. Hopefully one day you'll see me on like a stage somewhere, create a director of some game, that's that's my goal. Um, but I'm just paving the way, not only for me, but for everybody that looks like me, um, because we need more of us, definitely. So that's that's my how I got here. <laughs> that's awesome. One day, yeah, you'll be the E3 presenter on stage with those Hell yeah. you know, that giant <laughs> LED screen. And hopefully by then, hopefully by then we'll have people in crowds because I mean, gosh, we'd need a yes. we need to fix the situation we're in. Well, that's really, really awesome. I, I mean, I could totally relate to the family being like, you want to do what? You know, mm -hmm. uh, especially growing up, you know, in a Latino household where, uh, uh, you know, my my mom became a nurse my dad worked at a local newspaper for 30 years and my brother became a coach. And I, I am so lucky to have parents that were like, all right, go do that thing you want to do. Cause at first it was, I wanted to be in music and then uh, that sort of fizzled out. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to get back to art. I want to get into 2d animation. And then I realized in art school, I want to be a game artist and make stuff for video games. And I'm just so lucky that my parents were just, fully with it just because they i feel like my parents knew all right i we believe in you so go do that thing and i i, I think that's so awesome that your parents are like all right you had this pre-med thing but now go do that game stuff and you're you're killing it so that's really awesome to hear Thanks. uh danny pena tell me a little about yourself man yeah man so um, i'm a podcaster i've been podcasting now almost 16 years uh and uh uh, creating content online for almost 20 years i think in january that's what's gonna happen so crazy time flies but uh yeah so when i was a kid uh my grandmother actually bought me an atari 2600 so that was like my first video game console uh she got it i think it was like for 50 dollars. they had like a special because they were um they were uh stopping um i think manufacturing, manufacturing yeah around yeah. the eight the mid 80s or so and uh and yeah I, so i just became a huge gamer after that right so fast forward in the 90s i moved to miami florida and I was uh, dealing with like with music uh, with uh, with my cousin, so we were doing a lot of like promotion, a lot of house parties, warehouses over there, right? So it was cool being in the part of the music industry, but I was not too happy. Still, like I, I wanted to do something with gaming. So um, one day I, w I went to my cousin's, my friend's house. I mean, and he was uh, watching some video of this uh, hip hop channel called uh, Eighty Eight Hip Hop. And this was in 1998 through a 56K modem. And I was <laughs> like, oh, man, so people could create radio shows and TV through online. 
And I was like, all right, I want to do the same thing. So I tried to do that back in the 90s, and it was so expensive that we're like, yeah, I can't, I can't do this, man. I can't do this at all. So then fast forward, 2001, Sega Dreamcast was out, and there was this game called Final Star Online that, that uh, was really popular at that time. And I became like a huge fan of that game that I decided to create a, a podcast, an internet radio show, just strictly about that game. And it became really popular. A lot of like the media picked it up and everything. And, uh, and actually, I put it up on mp3.com. And the reason Jesus. why I put it <laughs> on mp3.com was because that, that site was created for music artists. So every time someone is listening to, the, to their songs, they get paid, right? So I was like, wait a minute. So it's free hosting. If I could put up my, my show there, I could get paid. So it got picked up everywhere, and a lot of people started listening to my show weekly. So my first paycheck, I think, was like $500 in 2001. So then I was like, all right, I got to start a business with online radio. And then, uh, then one time, this was like two months after 9-11, Nintendo was in town and Xbox, and they were uh, showcasing their consoles, which was the original Xbox and the Nintendo GameCube. So I went to both events. I took my video camera my tape recorder, and I started just interviewing people that were in line. And I went up to Microsoft and I'm like, hey, can I get a media badge? And they just, they were like, sure. No, they didn't ask no questions about, <laughs> about ID or like business cards. Or nothing. Yeah, good old <laughs> it was like so easy, so easy. So, so they gave it to me and I started interviewing like Jay Adler, the, the original uh, creators of Xbox. Um, and I was nervous. I was, oh my God, shaking. And I don't know, it was really cool. So then uh, at the end, I was there for 48 hours doing a, of being part of the event and at the end they surprised us with with a free xbox for everybody i think it was only like 10 of us wow two 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 weeks after that uh they called me back microsoft and were like hey danny we're, we're having a launch party at times square can you come I'm like yeah sure I'll, I'll go i had no idea i was just i thought it was gonna be like a party so i went to toys r us and we were there in line and they told us oh you guys are gonna play uh video games with bill gates so i was like oh my god this is crazy what <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, there's pictures online if you look it up. So then we also talked to the media and everything. So, by the way, I never mentioned this story, but I had a tape recorder with me. So the media were asking questions with Bill Gates, and I went and I started recording too, and I started asking him questions, right? And he was answering and everything, right? Uh, somebody from PR came up to me and, and took my tape recorder and took the tape out and gave me my tape recorder back. I'm like, oh, man, I had this cool, pretty interview with him, man. So <laughs> that never came out. But uh, yeah, so fast forward, 2005, I created a podcast called Gamer Tag Radio, which I'm still doing now. I launched it with my brother. And, uh, and now I have a pretty cool crew, uh, Peter Toledo and also Paris Toledo, my co-host. And yeah, it's going to be now 16 years, man, in February for us, man, doing it. So we, we do a lot of interviews, a lot of coverage. We just had Phil Spencer. On, on our 1,000 episode back in February. And, uh, oh, one thing I forgot to mention, this is important too. In 2015, I got inducted to the Podcast Hall of Fame um, and first Latino to, to get the award, man. So that was uh, history for us, you know? So that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really well, cool. You, well, you know what, Danny? I'm going to drink to that, bro. Because oh. you <laughs> sent me the, most, oh, the, the giant bottle of Ron Dominicano Añejo. Yes. And it is yes. this thing is just like the size of a small child. So I'm gonna pour a shot to that. <laughs> yeah, yes, um, yes. Cause that's an awesome Madriba, thing. That's a, that's a very popular drink over the VR. Yeah. Man, I could smell holy shit. I could smell <laughs> God damn. It smells delicious. It smells delicious. Uh but yeah, yeah I appreciate that. And then I yes, I 
Kevin just sent me through a photo and he says, this is Danny, right? And I think this is the photo of you with Bill Gates. Is this you, Danny? Let me see. Let me watch the screen. Because real fucking yeah, that's what yeah, yeah that's I, had, okay. I had hair. Yeah, I had hair during that time. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. God, what a the photo. CRTs. I mean, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. Kevin. What a so different you, time. Kevin, we were, can you imagine how heavy those setups were to haul in with CRT TVs? Yeah, they, they had them on tractors or something, wheels yeah. on them, you know? <laughs> no. You know what game we were playing? It was Fusion Frenzy. Oh my god. Fusion Frenzy. Yeah, I still Fusion got the badge. Frenzy. I still got that badge, man. Still to this day. One thing I wanted to to ask you, and let me like filibuster a bit because this shot is oof, strong. Huh? Let, me, <laughs> let me keep on filibustering. And try to talk through it's this. not just saying filibuster. You got to talk. That's the... I'm trying to talk you through this. Guy. I need some. I need you some support it. from my friends here. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask Danny: When was the because you you start talking and you start mentioning internet radio? Mm-hmm. When was the first time you remember hearing the word podcast? It was around early 2005 so it was like january so podcast got created like around september september 2004 and 2005 january that's when i heard about it yeah that, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always interested in where those the this sort of uh the birthplace of those terms and where they come from because mm-hmm. internet radio we're all so used to that and i've i've been a fan of sports radio for such a long time and i suddenly remember hearing the word podcast and like what the hell does that even mean? It, it's sort yeah. of how when Twitter first came out and people would make fun of like, oh, you're tweeting? What a weird word. Oh, that's read that person's tweet. What a silly thing. But now it's just part of our everyday vernacular. And it's, it's just kind of weird how that changes. Yeah. You, you know what? Back then when I started promoting my show, I went to like all the local stores in Miami and just help pass out flyers. But I've never mentioned the word podcast. I will always say internet radio. Because if I started saying podcast at that time, people thought, oh, I need an iPod. Because uh, there was yeah. no iPhone. There was no iPhone at that time either. So, yeah, it was very complicated, man. But now it's it's a lot easier. Now I could just say podcast and everybody knows. But back then I had to, like, yeah. educate people, man. That's so interesting. Yeah. My uh, One of my yeah. first game dev jobs, I um, worked with Richard Garriott, the sort of father of MMORPGs. And he's the one who created the Ultima franchise. And he was essentially like my first game job was working on a successor to the Ultima franchise. uh, And the game was called Shroud of the Avatar. But at the time, I didn't really know who Richard Garrett was. I didn't really know my history um, with the game industry. I was just kind of a rookie game artist getting hired on for his first job out of of college. And then uh, when I when people sort of found out who I was working with, they were like, dude, he created the word Avatar. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, there there are like there are documentaries about him where he uh was in a library one day reading through I forget I forget where the origin, the language of origin it comes from, but Avatar is like the person you are in this world or whatever. And then he said, Oh, I'll use that as like what the character calls themselves. Like that's your avatar. And then from there, that's what we just call him now. Like even like avatar picks, you know, and like in any sort of social media thing it's just so bizarre to kind of to find out the origins of that stuff so i'm always interested in that stuff uh danny thank you for joining us again and thank no, you thank for this you. Uh, alcohol my mouth is definitely not numb right now uh <laughs> diana okay, laura I'm, I'm very hold on I'm, I'm i'm so jealous right now that you worked with richard garriott because i'm a space nerd and i'm just like you know he went to the iss and then his he, dad yeah. was on skylab and like 
yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Hearing all those stories and then like watching documentaries after the fact was so bizarre to be like, oh my God, this guy has like the original Sputnik hanging in his New York apartment. Like it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. The guy's like one of the most interesting dudes I've ever known or met. Um, but that, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Diana, go ahead and uh, let us know who you are. Well, um, I am Diana uh, Laura. I have been uh, in the industry for about, um, at this point, about 12 or so years. Um, I've, I pretty much say that I've done everything but programming. Um, I started out as a, uh, a sort of uh, kind of in the same vein as, as Danny in uh, um, but instead of uh, making internet radios, I was making internet videos in the pre-days of uh, YouTubes and uh, with Justin TV and uh, uh, and public access TV in uh, up in the Bronx. You're um, <laughs> and so, which is where I am from. And uh, yeah, and so I, you know, I, just a really random thing. I, I went to school for musical theater. I was a performer, a professional performer, uh, Broadway, off Broadway, all that bull stuff. Um, that's super. Exciting. You could say bullshit. So you could say bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I have permission to curse. I have permission to curse. <laughs> so I said, I always joke that I can sing, dance, and act at the same time, and I have a degree to prove it. Uh, um, but yeah, so I, you know, I just, I went to, sc went to school for that. And, uh, you know, it, that was like during the recession, um, the first great recession, uh, and you know, they Broadway and off Broadway and theater in general, it wasn't, you know, wasn't successful at that time. And they were only hiring superstars. They were hiring the, you know, the, the sure bets. And so I was just like, what the fuck am I going to be doing? You know, since I'm not getting the jobs that I normally was hired for. Whoa, 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 language. Uh, careful with oh. the language. I'll do that to me. I'll do that to me. So, like, you know, so, you know, so, like, a couple of my friends were like, hey, you know, we need some help with this, like, video game show that we're, like, putting together in public access in, uh, in New Rochelle. And uh, we called it Gamer Reaction. And we, like, and we, you know, we would go to, uh, you know, video game stores like in like GameStop and uh, Video Games New York, uh, down in um, uh, by Lafayette in uh, in in New York, and we'd be like, talk to people about like the games that were coming out, and and kind of like a, a la Danny, we just, you know, we hear about an event and be like, yo, uh, we got a camera, and they'd be like, oh, you're so professional, come on in, <laughs> and that, which was kind of crazy to think at that time and so we but you know but we you know we were printing uh business cards uh out of our printers and you know ironing on t ironing on like uh, uh the name of our show on t-shirts and going in and shooting new york comic con and doing all that good stuff and that's kind of pretty much how i met like a, a lot of the folks that i know now and um and while I was, uh, you know, making videos, uh, video content for uh, a la for video games, um, I was also I went to um, I was also working, uh, you know, my nine to five job and, uh, you know, working for marketing and doing uh, market research and, and, and client services. And while I was doing that and also working at a video games at the same time, um, 
went and uh, I'm the first person in, in in my family who went to, you know, who graduated from, from college. I'm the first person in my family who, you know, went and uh, got uh, her master's. So I have my master's in uh, entertainment business. And so uh, even with all that, um, I, you know, I, 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 it just, I eventually got offered a, a role as a, for a, a producer for a mobile games company. And I decided to move up, up, you know, pick up my life and move to San Francisco. And even then at that point, that was like, you know, a couple, like a couple years into, you know, working in video games and actually like, you know, getting some, some, some form of recognition and, and getting invites. My parents were like, oh, so lindo. Que lindo. Oy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cute. That's super cute. Um, and even now, like I, I work at, I work at Ubisoft, I'm an account manager and I'm working with all the production teams. Um, before then I was working on the division as a developer, um, with, uh, you know, working with the different code dev studios. And even now, like, as I work in video games, <laughs> they're like, Esa lindo, que lindo. when's the real job coming? Yeah. <laughs> when's the real job? Every time I do, I do something like that. Even like, it doesn't matter what, like, if I'm like, oh, mommy, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on this, uh, this show. I'm going to be doing a podcast. Like it doesn't even matter anything. It's like, do they pay you? And what is it like? Does it have any sort of uh, importance? I'm like, yeah, it's all important to me. Um, but yeah, but video games, man. This is this has been my life. This has been my thing. I got into video games because my mom got into video games. We were we were sort of we moved here from the Dominican Republic, and we were we um, moved to the Bronx and moved to the middle of nowhere. Uh, uh, and we in or Louisiana and we had nothing to do but play video games. And like, you know, 12 years later, I fucking love it. And I would never change anything in my life. Kevin, 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 earlier, um, when Diana mentioned that, she, or Diana mentioned that she's from, uh, the Bronx, she went, you're right. And then she mentioned, sure. San Francisco. she mentioned San Francisco later. What do we do here since we're from San Francisco, Kevin? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> like, what's, what's our call out? I don't know. Do we do we have one? Should we call Tim and find out? Like, yeah, we. Can, he's we more because I'm I was daily city, and we're always just like, it's not San Francisco, you know? Oh, got it. Got it. <laughs> I'm from. I'm from. Yeah, I'm from, I'm from Texas. So I don't really have anything, but we're in SF now. Well, Dana, yeah. that's an but awesome story. That's You're a really Texas, great don't you guys have like yeehaw or some shit? I mean, I grew up. I grew up, I grew up on the border. I grew up on the border, uh, and maybe knew like two white guys and one black guy my whole life. It was just all. It's just all Mexican Americans where I grew up. So I don't really. Whenever I get the whole, oh, don't you have a bunch of cowboys there? It's like, well, we have like ranchos and stuff, but like yeah, nothing. Like, there's, yeah. there's not like a whole lot of white people living here or whatever. Um, that's all. That's yeah. great to hear. Yeah, I, I love hearing stories about. Um, you, you know, you said your mom was into video games and stuff as well. And that's that was a lot of my growing up where my my Thea, who lived in Austin, Texas at the time, is the one who was the gamer. And she had a she's the one who bought the Super Nintendo first. And my brother and I were jealous of her immediately. And she's the one who would bring it down during Christmas vacation. We get to play and she bought the Nintendo 64 first and we'd be super jealous and she brought it down. I was like, Dad, Mario's running everywhere now. Like Mario's just not <laughs> side to side. He can go anywhere like. 
I love hearing stories about, you know, where that passion for games initially started. So that's that's awesome yeah. to hear, Diana. And it's always very, very great cool. to hear, that, like, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Latino families uh, slash moms specifically always still consider everything a Nintendo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or oh, Atari. Whatever is popular. Whatever is it's, popular yeah. at that time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's not, it, it was it was always a Nintendo, whether, it, you know, like my my friends and I would always joke around how we we all moved to Austin and we all worked at Best Buy for a while. And uh, we worked at a Best Buy where we had a lot of primarily Spanish speaking customers. And uh, there'd be uh, like moms walking in there like, uh, uh, quiero comprar Halo para el Nintendo Wii. It's like, oh, they don't sell it for Wii. Like we don't, like, we don't, <laughs> they don't do that. Sorry. Uh, awesome, Dan. That's great to hear. Joe Tirado, let's hear a little bit about yourself. Uh, what's up um okay i'll try and start uh i'll try and be concise so uh i i haven't worked in games for super long it's been like six years now maybe like five years um right now i work at system era we make the game astroneer it's super fun um i'm the comms and marketing director there so that's cool but how i got there is kind of absurd um when I was like 18, my whole, or actually when I was like 16, my whole thing was like, I'm going to go to the military. I want to fly planes. I'm super into that. Um, that was around 2000. Like, I, I, you know, I was in high school at the time and then 9-11 happens, weird things happen. And then like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, like part of a family, single mom. I thought the only way I could go to college is to like maybe go to the military and get some education there. Or like, you know, I didn't know what my options were at that point. Um, so that was my whole thing. And then uh, at a certain point, I kind of like, I don't know, grew up a little bit and realized that maybe that wasn't a good idea. Like the the thing you learn when you're 16 and applying for the military is like, you're saving America. And then like what was actually happening at the time was maybe a little more sinister than that, you know, and a little and actually much more gray than that. So yeah. Um, and my mom did not want me to go to the military. You know, I'm she's a single mom. I'm like the oldest son. So she's like, no. I yeah. um so like i was always into art as well like i was super into um, photography and and she was as well i kind of got that from her so yeah i pivoted at the last minute um I, I was set up to go to military school like this whole thing and then i uh, ended up just going to art school like at like that summer just decided nope i'm going to art school let's do it um and but i, I got there i didn't know what i was going to do so i like meandered around and did studio art for two years which was probably a really bad idea so i'd like <laughs> but it actually helped out at, like later on in life because i learned photography i learned film um i learned you know all the traditional arts painting um like printmaking stuff like that and then i met some cool nerds there and we like started a clothing company and so that's where i like learned all of the different things about marketing like running your own t-shirt company when you're in college which is maybe paying for your like little baby apartment and you're like ramen noodles um yeah so uh, like little little caesar's hot and ready's yeah <laughs> yeah nice. or as many like pizza bites as you can possibly yeah. buy in one sitting um so yeah it was a lot of like hustling because like my mom like was great and she gave me an awesome childhood but at the same time like you know i was trying to do my own thing and i moved out on my own probably before i should have so i was kind of like grinding probably before i needed to but I learned a lot through that. I learned a lot about like marketing and putting yourself out there and, you know, going to all the skate shops in the area and being like, can you please buy two t-shirts? That would really help me a lot. Like just hang them in the store, please. Um, so yeah, I did that, finished school. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do, um, but I had that business going and that was kind of fun. So I was like, we were growing that. And then um, 
I basically I was in the New York area. Like I, I grew up in New Jersey, right outside of New York. So, you know, I had the the dream was like you go to New York and then you become a creative director or an art director because I I finished <laughs> with a graphic design degree eventually. So, you know, the dream of going to the big city. Um, but you know, the first couple of years of that was like just freelancing and doing the worst possible work ever. Like, you know, standing there and um, holding muslin for a thing because they ran out of sea sands for a shoot, like for hours, kind of stuff like that. Um, but I learned a lot and I met a lot of really cool people in New York. And I um, I ended up working for Frank 151, which is like a old school, actually started in Atlanta, but um, old school like skate print gra graffiti music magazine. Um, that then moved to New York. And so I just started, started freelancing for them, like making cool videos and doing shit that I probably had never done before, but I told them that I could do and then I would, and I would just learn how to do it on the job. Um, <laughs> so I got to work with some really cool people. Like they were kind of close with the Wu-Tang Clan. So we would always like be doing random videos and like Raekwon would be there and you're like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like trying not to like completely melt down because, you know, they're in the house. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I learned a lot and I got to explore the New York scene, but it wasn't really for me. Like I the thing I loved about New York was all the you know diverse people, the really cool content that we were making. Uh, but there's not a lot of budgets and there's a lot, a lot of like people who are kind of worried more about like you know, who you know and what sneakers you're wearing versus like your actual work and your value and how you how you carry yourself on a shoot or something. So um, I had like a couple like months that were kind of rough as far as freelancing goes. And then I answered a Craigslist ad for some guy who was looking for video game videographers. And I was like, oh, I could do that. Like I got a DSLR. I'll just show up. And my first gig was the PS4 launch in New York City um at the standard hotel it was actually super nice I, I feel like danny was probably there no i was i was in miami but i remember watching the live stream i remember watching it yeah yeah so um and i was if anyone knows mike williams i was supposed to meet mike williams he's from us gamer and they were just like yo just go find uh go find a, a black dude with a, a tie on and then you'll like you'll be good and i was like all right fine uh, <laughs> yep that's mike <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> um they give you obviously more but it was just kind of like he you know he's he's such a out of he just stands out from most gamers who are just wearing t-shirts and sweatpants and shit um so yeah i from there i started freelancing for them um i had done a bunch of really cool creative agency stuff and so what i realized was like all that skill and ability that i had i it just like poured it perfectly to games especially because i felt like at the time and you know no insult to gaming journalism at all but like there's a lot of enthusiasts who were trying to learn as they went because internet was like becoming bigger so it was like oh now we have to make videos and now we have to like make podcasts like it was around that time when like that stuff was really ramping up um for a lot of the smaller sites so yeah worked there for a bit uh that the company i was working for at the time ran a bunch of different sites so i worked at shack news for a bit if anyone's heard of that site it's like an old school quake site um <laughs> and then all like the other sort of related websites like us gamer and prima games and all of those so just like came in and helped them grow their video side of things like making videos and live streams and all that like fun stuff um and yeah did that for a bit worked there for uh, a good amount of uh, like three years or something and then um 
I just started connecting with game developers. Like you go to PAX, you go to E3, you go to these places. And all I was doing was just interviewing people. Like I would have a schedule full of things where you're just like meeting a little indie game developers and talking about their project. And um, one of the websites I worked for, Shack News, this dude that was on there, we became friends. I didn't know, but he actually worked for uh, Ubisoft at the time. His name is Adam Bramell. And then he, uh, he was working on this little side project, which I currently work on now, which is Astroneer. So he saw my work and uh, the community stuff that I was doing at Shack News and loved it. And so when his project kind of like grew, he just reached out to me and was like, hey, man, like you should come work for us. It would be great. And I I had shot some videos for them previously that was completely unrelated. I was just like, oh, I'm close with this guy. Let me make a little mini documentary. The team loved that thing. And then, um, yeah, a couple months later, I was hired. So I started working on the team. So kind of a weird path, but, you know. Yeah. But I, I think everybody here can relate to that because it, it, there's always so many like it, growing up with my sort of career and where I am now, there have been so many spots where it could have ended had I just given up. And with my defeatist sort of uh, <laughs> attitude, there have been several times where I'm just like, fuck it. Like, I all right, I, I you know, I one of the. I always wanted to be in game development. And when I finally got in, when I was still in college, I had a um, an internship at Sony Online. And within, it was like a two week long in, uh, internship. And a week in, there were massive layoffs. And so me, an intern, watching like 30 people get laid off, I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck? What, what am I getting myself into, right? And it's immediately yeah. kind of horrifying and luckily, um, one of my teachers at the Art Institute was um, this sort of kick-ass artist and really, really sort of admired my work and my drive and was like, hey, when you graduate, I'm leaving to another place to go work because he moonlit, he moonlit as a teacher and he worked at a, a certain affinity. But he was like, when you or he was going to go work at a certain affinity. And he essentially said, when you graduate, take my job at this place. I'm going to recommend you and I'm going to certain affinity. And it worked out perfectly and like uh, everything was great. And then there were more rounds of layoffs at that first place I worked at, Richard Garriott's studio. And so for several weeks, I'm wondering, am I going to have a job in a couple of weeks? If I can't, I'm going to move back home and try to become a teacher or something. Because like clearly it's not in the stars because it gets so difficult as a young person that has student loan debt I can't just ship myself off to Washington and get another job. Yeah. I can't like there were so many people I was working with in game dev. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this and know people where they are working on contract and they are constantly saving up money for when they get laid off and yeah. you build up savings for that next layoff. And then that money goes towards travel and moving somewhere else. And then you do the same thing and rinse and repeat. And it can get, it can get kind of, it can get kind of depressing for a while. So there were so many times where I was like, fuck it, I'll be done. I'm I'm going to quit. And then I had been a fan of Greg Miller and Kind of Funny for years when they were at IGN. And I started making fan art for them when I was in game dev. And then they were like, we want you to come work for us. We don't know what you're going to do. Probably like do graphics and stuff here. And then, um, yeah, but I, I love hearing that, Joe, how there there were so many twists and turns and one next one second you're in the same room with Raekwon and and, and people in Wu Tang and like that shit just kind of happens. That's just kind of yeah. like the world that we yeah. all sort of live in. I mean, I thought it was that was it, right? I was like, oh man, I've made it now. I'm gonna be good. And then two months later, 
I got no freelance gigs and I'm on Craigslist looking for a job, right? Like, and I worked mm -hmm. at a restaurant at the time. I'm sure everyone here knows what that's like, right? You have like your full-time job that's like steady and then you're doing your like dream thing. And so mm -hmm. I, there were so many points where I could have just been like, all right, I'll just go work back at the restaurant. I'll be the, you know, I'll work in the kitchen. It'll be fine. And like a Craigslist ad got me across the hump and then now here I am. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that that I can definitely definitely relate to that. Um, thank you for telling that story, Joe. Christina, you've been waiting for about two hours now. Go <laughs> ahead and <laughs> let's hear a little bit about yourself. <laughs> only two, only two. Um, oh my gosh. Well, I come from like a very kind of proper, sort of prim Colombian family. So the expectation was I either be a doctor, or a lawyer, or a politician. So I studied political science in college. And then my parents got to watch what they thought was the crash of my life. I then became a bartender. Uh, and then I decided to pack my bags and overnight move to New York City. And then I had one month to find a job or my cousin would kick me off his couch. And he was already really annoyed that I was on his couch for a whole month. Uh, and I found a job being a community manager for like a really small studio. It was not crazy. My rent took the whole paycheck. And I ended up getting into debt trying to just like eat. But I was so passionate about the dream, right? So passionate about being there. And I actually, like two months ago, actually just paid off all my debt. And so it's been seven years, right? Damn, that's another, I gotta take another shot for that. I gotta take another shot for paying off. He's loving that shot. He's loving that shot. You're gonna start making excuses for shots. You're just gonna be like, oh yeah, I need to take a shot because you said hi, you know? Don't act like we're twisting your arm here, right? Everybody just keep listing your achievements and he'll just take a shot. Yeah, just keep going, guys, keep going. Look, Joe's drinking too. It's definitely tequila in there. Um, no, uh, so afterwards, um, I ended up back in like normal marketing, which was really such a big bummer. But what I ended up doing for like three years was I would work a normal marketing job. And then on the side, I would do gigs, right? So I would be like social media helping launch something. I wrote something for a company like articles sometimes randomly. I would do Spanish to English translations sometimes because I had that talent and I did study that. Um, and then I got to work for a production company called Well Played. And I was doing big shows, like events. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to be an event manager for forever. Um, and then I ended up getting a job at Twitch as a customer support agent. And the reason I got the job is because I spoke Spanish fluently. So I could speak to our angry Twitch customer fan base in Spanish and in English. So I had many talents here, right? Um, that was about a year. And then I went over eventually to Unity. And then Google, the only company my parents knew what it was, and only because. <laughs> um, and I'm finally at Team Liquid. Um, and I loved esports. I really wanted to be one of the women in esports because esports is one of the, even though gaming, there's not a lot of like women already. In esports, there's definitely not a lot of women. And there's definitely not a lot of Latina women, right? So I was like, I'm probably not amongst many of my peers here, but I wanted to be visibly here. I love and it's also it's also doing. such a young thing esports like esports right. is such a young place to be at yeah I'm one of the oldest people at my company and it <laughs> drives me nuts like I'll be like oh how old are you oh I'm I'm 18 I'm 20 and I'm just like oh okay thank you go <laughs> <laughs> fuck yourself yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know the feeling I, I know the feeling Chris <laughs> um, but while I was doing all this, something that was like so important to me uh, was that I didn't see a lot of Latinos. Like occasionally I would like meet somebody and I'd be like, uh, yeah, you're Latino. You get it. Your mom has no idea what you do too. Right. And we would just like laugh. 
Um, and so I finally decided, you know, let's, after a panel, let's make a group, right? Let's talk, let's actively be talking to each other. Let's have a space. And I'm really lucky that two of my co-founders are in here with me, Elaine and Joe. And now we are a not-for-profit space uh, for Latinos in the gaming industry. And I'm just so proud of that. So I'm just so proud of how far we've come in gaming. And we just came off of this big event, which Andy has been so generous to help us with this weekend. And yes. it's crazy. It's been such a crazy time that I'm just so happy to be here. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that was a blast. I, it's one of those things that I've kind of always wanted to be a part of. I just didn't know how to do it. I don't have a whole lot of initiative, guys. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> like when <laughs> even getting this whole group together was like, oh, my God, I'm, I get so stressed immediately. I'm like so overwhelmed with just gathering uh, five other people. And we had we had Miranda and Janet from IGN that were going to be on the podcast, too. And they dropped last second. I was like, oh, shit, this, you know, um, but I was so glad to have been approached by you and and to get that DM and we had a blast. We you know I got to play Fall Guys with with uh, other people in the industry and it's just so great to keep on meeting people and hopefully showing people out there like yeah you can do this um, because I I think we I think a lot of people in the industry and a lot of people listening to this podcast wondering if they can get in what's my first step in I think they all sort of have a common thread of oh but we don't do that. We like our I'm Latino. We don't do that stuff. And I, I want to get into that a bit more here in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Kind of Funny podcast is brought to you in part by Guideline. Small businesses have a lot to do on their list and finding an affordable 401k is a tough task. But with Guideline, you can cross it off your list and start saving with ease. Guideline provides easy and affordable 401k plans for small businesses and startups. Whether you're offering an employee retirement plan for the first time or want to make changes to your current retirement benefits, they design a plan to fit your needs. You can get set up in as little as 10 minutes. Guideline handles the admin, compliance testing, record keeping, and investment management. There are no separate startup costs, no added investment fees, and monthly fees start at only $39 plus $8 per each employee and they integrate with popular payroll providers. Over 13,000 companies use Guideline to manage their 401ks. For a limited time, if you go to guideline.com slash kindoffunny and tell them you came from the Kind of Funny podcast, you get a $100 gift card when you start your 401k plan with Guideline. That's guideline.com slash kindoffunny, K-I-N-D-A-F-U-N-N-Y to get a 401k for your business. Don't forget that's guideline.com slash kindoffunny Tell them the kind of funny podcast sent you. Thanks to Samsung and AT&T for also sponsoring this episode of the kind of funny podcast. Samsung's newest phone, the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G, powered by AT&T 5G, is available now. AT&T 5G requires compatible plan and coverage not in all areas. Here are just some of the new features you could try out on this device. Cloud gaming will be available with the power of 5G. Try out cloud gaming with high-performance experiences brought to you via the newest Samsung devices, powered by AT&T 5G. The Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G also has a 120Hz adaptive display that automatically adjusts the refresh rate according to the content you are viewing. An intelligent battery that optimizes for your gameplay. Between 5G support, Wi-Fi optimization, and the advanced processor, you get a smooth gaming experience with virtually no lag. Check out the S Pen and Samsung Notes to create your own works of art. Head over to att.com forward slash Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G to learn how you can get the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 5G for free or the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G for $299 for a limited time. 
back to our show. Kevin, did I fucking kill that or what, dude? Oh, man, it's so perfect. You nailed it. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. Very very slick and smooth. So easy. So easy. (laughs) So, so yeah, I do want to talk a bit about um, how, you know, sometimes these challenges are presented to you and you want to get into the industry and you want to find a way. But you grow up in a place or you grow up around family uh, and maybe nobody went to college and it's more it's more seen as a rarity and it's more seen as something that uh, yeah but we don't we don't do that kind of thing you know like i i would see i, I grew up a big fan of like family guy and and cartoons like that it's like oh i want to infuse my humor in and become a 2d artist but in the back of mind i kept thinking like i'm from the real grand valley we don't do that shit dude like i'm just gonna stay here i'm gonna end up getting a job here at the local car dealership or like i i'll you know I'll get a job at a friend's place or in the school district. We have a lot of ties to the school, local school district and local government. I'm sure I can get a job somewhere there. Um, but I was, uh, but for some reason, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to move to Austin because there's really nothing here in, in the RGV when it comes to wanting to create, uh, whether it's art or animation or game design, there's nothing here for me. And I finally said, all right, fuck it. Let's move to Austin. And I wasted lots of time and lots of money taking the dumbest classes at Austin Community College. Uh, And it wasn't until I had a teacher at the Art Institute where on the final day of class told me to stay behind. And I was like, oh, shit, am I in trouble? What's what's up? And she was like, you need to get out of here and go to an actual art school. You need to go actually like take this talent further because you have something. And that was like the moment for me. I was like, oh, shit. And I told my mom and like my parents, like, oh, shit, this is crazy, you know. Um, and that's when I finally looked into the Art Institute. And, you know, a lot of uh, several hundreds of thousand dollars later <laughs> feels like at this point. But I mean, I, I as much as I complain about my student debt, and my education and stuff, I I still wouldn't really have these skills that I've gathered. So do, do any of you all have those stories where you wondered, man, I would love to go do this, but. It's me. It's my family. We don't do that stuff. You're going to have your deals being like, ah, what are you doing? Like, you're going to end up getting a job over here. Like, does anybody have those stories? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, I do. Yep. <laughs> We're all like, yes. Everybody, which everybody one first? <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I went, I went to school for theater. <laughs> like, I was a star. I was literally a starving artist for like the first couple of years of, of graduating uh, well, I mean, even then, like when I said in high school that I wanted to go into uh, and I, that I wanted to do to to go into acting, I went I essentially went to for a conservatory. It's essentially a conservatory. And like. That was ridiculous. That was absolutely ridiculous. And and, and the fact that I <laughs> I had student debt for those, you know, graduating from uh, from college for with the with the BFA in musical theater, you know, and that that's my college debt like that's. I mean, that in in and of itself sounds ridiculous, um, you know, considering that, you know, now, you know, you can hit it big on YouTube or, 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 or TikTok or anything like that. So like th- that was that was my life for 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 like and I pretty much had to give, you know, the thing that I loved up because I needed to make money. And um yeah, and so that's that that kind of got me into sort of like into a different sort of path of a career that in and of itself like fed uh, fed the passion of 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 wanting to you know to work more in, in gaming because then I was like well if I can't do theater uh, you know on the side 
then I'm going to, uh, you know, make these videos and, um, work on, work on these different websites, do these and, you know, cut up all these different, uh, these different uh, sketches and things like that. So that was, that was how, how I ended up doing that. So, I mean, we all have to make that decision at some point in our lives. Um, that's just yeah, the, the sure. direction that I went. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like when, like I was always been a studious person. Like I love, always love to learn. And um, one of the things that I really got into in high school that kind of like set my pathway was I was on the robotics team. Um, and that was really dope, by the way. It's like Beyblade and all that stuff, but real life, <laughs> it was really yeah. dope. Um, <laughs> my parents didn't understand it. So growing up as the oldest and only girl in the household, I, I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. So growing up, like I didn't have the, the chance to do extracurricular activities because instead I would come home and babysit my brothers because they were younger than me. Um, babysit my brothers. Um, cook for my family and make sure that everything was tidy because I appreciated that my parents worked really hard and very late. Um, and I'm very lucky that like we were, our family was well to do financially. Like we, we had a home, we, we always had bread on the table, but it was because my parents worked their asses off. Um, and I was not able to join things like, you know, playing volleyball, getting into karate, going to dance classes, because my responsibility was making sure that my brothers did their homework, that they had snacks, that there was hot food ready um, for my parents to eat when they came, came back home. And being involved too, my dad's a pastor. So growing up in that mentality, of like okay let's all go to church and like let's help dad with this and let's be a good example for all the other kids in the church because that's a burden on our shoulders so it was a lot to grow up with um and going to college my parents were like all right you have two choices either you go away to school and whatever school you get into you you go but we cannot help you financially if you stay in new jersey because we moved from puerto rico to new jersey um and i i build my my life there my young adulthood there they're like if you go to Rutgers, the state university of new jersey and you get that uh resident discount and you get the stay at home discount and not do room on board we can help you then and back then a semester only cost six thousand dollars so compared to now that's like nothing but my parents yeah. could afford that so my parents were like if you're willing to do that we, we could help you so I got very lucky but to a certain point they could only help me because then my father decided to stop working and uh, it wasn't until recently that I found that that my father um and I'm trying not to get emotional um my father's paycheck would go to my college every for the two and a half years that I went to Rutgers and that was a decision that he made with my mom that he wanted to pay for my school so um, when he got laid off, that was like, okay, we can't pay for your college anymore, so you're going to have to take out student loans. Um, and I, I got my debt there. And then when I decided to go to grad school, then they were like, Elaine, no way. <laughs> we cannot afford sending you to school. Yep. Like, you're going to have to take out a student loan. And I will probably mm -hmm. be paying student loans until the day that I die because I racked up a shit ton. USC's tuition, look it up on the internet, it's foul. Like, it's not fair. But I told myself I, and my parents, I was like, if I'm going to go to school for something, I want to be the best. I want to go to the best school. If, if I'm going to rock a debt, 
let's let's do this right. So I, I signed up for I I signed up for the Harvard of game design and development. Go big or go home, you know. Go big yeah, or go exactly. home. Yeah, <laughs> and and you see that spirit of being go getter, and that's something that us Latinos I feel like we have. And for me, Puerto Rican being resilient, like I don't know if any of y'all have seen what has ha been happening in Puerto Rico the past couple of years, the political upheavals, the two hurricanes that hit and literally destroyed the entire island, the entire ecosystem, our entire electrical grid, people being without electricity for six, eight months at a time, there's still people who don't have electricity from Hurricane Maria. And um, seeing all of that, and, and like there are resilience in my island, I know that that fires me up. So like every time you knock me out, it's like, you didn't get scholarship money, I don't care, student loan. You don't have a job, I don't care. Let me do side gigs that I don't really, I'm passionate for, but I really need the money for. Cause y'all, like I was in the negatives in the back account when I when I graduated Ooh. high school. I'll get slapped with those overdraft fees. Like I would watch my bank no. account be negative three hundred, negative four hundred, negative five hundred. I didn't say a word to my parents because I wanted to. I was so stubborn, but I wanted it to be me. I wanted to be like I want to get out of this hole. I'm gonna make it. Um, and suffering through all that in silence, like nobody knows that. Um, and no. that's why I always tell people if you're gonna come in games and you are not humble and you're not ready to help people at you like you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful there's no freaking hey, way if you think you can do this yourself if you think you can be selfish and 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 be entitled and be like oh everything's on me everybody come to me like you're gonna be literally the the one that nobody wants to work with because mm -hmm. the industry's small like i'm telling y'all yeah. right oh, now well. the industry is really tiny there's people that Facts. know me and big companies that i've never met but they know me because of word of mouth that's how this works. Um, so like, I always say I've struggled, I've suffered. Y'all don't even know how many tears I've cried to get here. Um, the things that we have suffered just for being Latina and being a woman, like she getting deleted at work because people think that I'm not gonna say anything. Um, me being get talked down to at meetings or at conferences telling me like, oh, like, so who helped you get in here? It wasn't because like, you know how to code or anything like that. Like, who do you know? Like who? Who did you suck up to to get to where you are today? Like, nah, I, I, I'm here because of my merit and and my 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 awards, my experiences. This is on me. Um, and when it comes to understanding that you can get in debt, like, dude, yeah, sometimes you're gonna get in debt, but sometimes you have to pay a sat, you have to pay a price, you have to like sacrifice things in order to get to to be somebody, to grow up, to learn. If you're not willing to sacrifice, if you're not willing to give up those, like being in the comfort zone. You know, you, you're not going to succeed. And that's not just in games, that's in life. You know what I mean? You have to be willing to take that risk. It's uncomfortable. You, it, you, you may live paycheck to paycheck. You may be eating Vienna sausages and ramen for a long time. But <laughs> all, of, all of those things are just little like obstacles in the road because you cannot think about the now. You have to think about the future. Like what is next year going to look like for me? What's five years going to look like for me? Is that all worth it with what I'm going through right now? If that, I mean, your mind is like, yes, that's worth it. All right, keep going and find people like the Latinx and gaming community. Find people who are there who to, to walk that walk with you, who will push you to that next level. Because if you have friends who are all couch potatoes and they're, sorry, losers and they don't have jobs, they're not striving to be anything, like, like our parents say, you are who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. If that's the people that you have, that's exactly who you're going to be. You're not going to get those yeah. jobs. You're not going to get that business up if everything everybody around you is mediocre. Like, Get, set yourself up for success. And if yeah. you need friends, I'm here. Danny's here. Chris is here. Joe, send us a DM and we'll link you up to who you need to talk to. That's why we're here. 
Um, sorry, yeah. I, I'm getting off my no, soapbox, no, 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 no. but I'm very passionate. It's about all that. truth. It's all truth I, right there. I think that I think that's also important because you, uh, if you are surrounding yourself with people that maybe don't have the same drive as you, you become complacent. You become comfortable, and you say, "Oh, they're going to do this too." It's the same mentality that. It, it, I always bring up this like weird thing that always happened to me in college or class in high school or wherever, but you'd walk into class and you'd be like, shit, I didn't, I didn't do the fucking essay. Who did you, you didn't do it either. Oh, badass. Oh, you didn't do it either. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And you would get, you would get comfortable knowing that everybody else was kind of failing around you as well. Mm -hmm. And you felt like, all right, I'm not the only one. I can also kind of like be lazy and not do this stuff. But the, I think surrounding yourself with people with, a lot of that drive definitely matters. And I will also back up a thousand percent the idea that, and this doesn't just go for people to color, this goes for anybody trying to get into the industry. Uh, because I've, I, I was a, a couple of key, I had a key part in hiring people when I worked at Rooster Teeth in the game dev team, um, where you could be at the 10 out of 10 best artist, 10 out of 10 best programmer, but if you suck to work with, word of mouth travels and nobody is going to want to hire you and there were so many people that we'd bring up their portfolio and we'd be like god this guy's a fucking master look at his art it's crazy and then one person would go oh yeah dude oh, yeah but he was a nightmare to work with and that's all it takes to be like fuck it we don't need you then like we'll we'll 100 percent go for the eight out of ten skill person instead of the 10 out of 10 skill person if the eight out of 10 skill person is a lot cooler to work with and I think I that applies to about this today at work. That we applies to anybody. Just like yeah, talking yeah. about this, we were, we were talking to like talking about a, a, a hiring at you know at, from my team, and we were just like, you know, if if it doesn't matter if you're like a master, the master of anything. If you're, I mean, if you're a jerk, if you're an asshole, nobody's gonna want to work with you. Like I'd rather yeah. I'd rather hire like a junior uh, who I know is dedicated and wants to you know uh, do a good job and has has a lot of potential. Um, and, uh, oh, oh bring them uh -oh. up to me. They have like somebody who's uh, an expert or a master mm -hmm. at what they're doing, you know? It's oh, not yeah, the NBA. Yeah, it's not the NBA. It's not the NFL. Like <laughs> we always hear the stories of these superstars that are just complete assholes, but they're so damn good. It doesn't matter. And it's like that. Nah, nah, this industry is not like that. If you're an asshole, nobody's going to want to work with you. Uh, Danny, you wanted to kind of talk about exactly. your, your, your coming up yeah. and how, you just, you know, I'm sure you had stories from family members being like, what are you doing? Like, do something else. So my, my dad, ever since I was uh, started gaming, he was like, oh, you, you're just wasting your time. Like, what is this, man? You're wasting your time for years, for years. My mom was more like, hey, you know what? I'm supportive. Like, one day, um, I think I was like in my, I was like in my early teens. And I said to my mom, we were living in the Dominican Republic at that time. And I said to her, Mom, I want to open up like a business. I want to want to have like a Nintendo club. People will come in and play with my, with my Super Nintendos and Sega Genesis. I'm going to charge them per controller <laughs> in Dominican Republic in the early 90s. And she's like, let's do it. If I will mention that to my dad, he will be like, no, nah, no, nah, that's, that's just a waste of money. You know? So yeah. I did that and I made a lot of money doing that. I was the first person that came up with that, that concept in DR. And I will see people from all over the American Republic will go to uh, where I lived at in San Francisco, Macorí, and they will like copy the same exact way how I did it, and they will take it to their towns. And so everybody started doing that um, <laughs> around that time. Yeah. So the games that were popular was like Street Fighter, Donkey Kong Country, you know. Uh, so yeah, that was cool. But the hard part is, yeah, I could get all the support from my mom, but if there's no money and the only 
money that she has only to pay the bills, they're going to focus on that. I couldn't get a computer until like when I was in college, I got a, a student loan and that's when I got my first actual computer, you know? So, and that's a lot of people like us that has been in the same situation, man, you know? So yeah, you could get support, but if there's no money, you know, I had to learn how to edit because I didn't have no software. I used to use my, my dad's uh, tape recorder and the VCRs and I'll be like, press record, press play, press record. So I used to do mixtapes like that with my cousin too. So I'll do a record my cousin's weddings. And then I started getting people um, uh, paying me for to record like their, their quinceañeras and all that stuff. Right. Um, but I learned that on my own, on my own. It wasn't because of college, you know, um, I felt like as a Latino, I feel like we have to like work 10 times harder just to get where we're at right now. Um, because at that time, I wasn't that getting support. Like I went to E3. I had no connections. Uh, this is like my first time, 2005. I went there with my brother. I had no money because I wasted all my money on on creating a media kit because I was trying to explain to the uh, gaming companies about uh, podcasts. So I did a CD, uh, bio, pictures of us, super ghetto. <laughs> and uh, I took it. I, I wasted all my money on that. Flights. Uh, rented a car in LA, first time there. We rented a hotel in Koreantown. Um, so when we got there, I only had like $20, man, for the whole week at E3. So I was, we'll go to E3. And once we're done, we'll go to like McDonald's, get like the dollar burgers or one day, you know, chicken nuggets here and there, right? And I did that for if the whole week. If you want to splurge, man. yeah. Yeah. So, but, but this. <laughs> So this what happened, man. I gave that media kit to every single gaming company and they ignored us. Like I felt like I wasted my money, wasted my time doing that. So I, I, I went back home depressed to Miami. And then it was like the year after that, that's when every gaming company was hitting me up. And the reason was because iTunes just added podcasts two months after Daddy 3. So sometime in life, you got to take a risk, man. You know, you can't just be like, sit, sit back at home and just chill and give up. I, I never gave up. I kept on going. But like you said, what you, what you were saying, Elaine, is you have to surround yourself with the right people, man. People that are going to motivate you. If, if they need help, always give back. I've always been that way. You know, I remember when, the first time I met Diana, she hit me up randomly. Hey, Danny, where can I find a hotel room? Like, E3 is <laughs> getting close. Everything's sold out. And we never met in person. And I, and I, and I helped her, you know, because it's good to to help each other, man, because um, you never know what can happen. One day I probably need some help and she will be there for me, too. You know, so mm -hmm. I, I think that's very important every for us, time, man, to always time. give back, always give back, man. And never forget where you came from, too, man, because it's easy to blow up and get like a nice gig. And then you forget where you came from. You get you get all like uh, gassed up. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that's the wrong way, man. You know, so. Yeah. And also be patient, too, because I have mm -hmm. met so many young people who are entering the game industry now and they're so frustrated that they can't land a job. When I look back when I graduated college and I was applying to big companies, because, again, I was like, dream big, like go big or go home, like right out of school, not having the skill sets that I need and applying to like Ubisoft and EA and Valve, like you're not ready yet. Like you, you need to learn skill sets and school doesn't teach you everything. A lot of stuff in games, like you learn on the job. 
Um, and oh, for sure. you need to be patient and understand that when your time comes, that'll be the, your shot. Um, and that looks different for everybody, unfortunately. There's people who have better networks than others, and they have privileges that other people don't have. Um, some people can get into a big company right out of school, like through because of an internship or because they their parents know somebody or they know somebody that knows somebody. And other people like me, we had to wait and do those cold applications, and we stood out to that HR manager that particular day, and we landed the job. So don't be discouraged because your opportunity is not happening and never compare yourself to what other people's journeys are because you're never going to get anywhere if you like are constantly putting yourself down and be like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like, look at Danny, look at all the cool shit that he's doing. But then you don't see all the shit that Danny has gone through to get there. You know, we don't ever talk about our failures. We never talk about our cha the challenges that we face. You only see the good, especially now in social with social media. Well, but like, we have well, all suffered and we have all gone through all those uh, ups and I downs. Also, I also think it's important though to like talk about like the resources that we, not just like, I'm gonna speak about Latinx again forever, that we can provide, but like PAX Online was nine days long with experts on every level of the industry talking for almost 24 hours a day. Like that was an opportunity like to just sit and learn, right? Yep. And not just that, but like every single person in here has mentored somebody. Like I know every single person in this like little group chat of ours, we've all mentored people. We've all taken people on. Like my DMs are open. Like other people's DMs are open. Like you can take, like, I think a lot of it seems complicated when you go, I want to work in gaming. And then you look at this long list ahead of you of like how you can do that. When the simplest step might be, you know, reach out to someone on LinkedIn. You don't have to go to a conference. You don't have to go broke to like make these things happen for yourself. You can do little steps. And so many like IGDA exists, PRGDA exists, Latinx and gaming exists, Blacks and gaming exists. All these organizations exist to help people like us get there. So we should also like remember those resources too. Yeah. I, mean, I really wish I would have had those resources too, man. Like yeah, back yeah. in the yeah. day, right? Yeah, Back in the yeah. day, man, I would have shit. I would have killed for some of this. Yeah. Some of the stuff like right now. You I feel like I feel like mm -hmm. now the opportunity, the opportunity to sort of reach out. You got your LinkedIn. You got your, you know, your Discord. You got your Latin and gaming. You mm -hmm. got so many, so many mm -hmm. resources that you can reach out to. And like, I, I, you know, it, it, it's 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 kind of mind boggling. And I think that that's where you know to go to to what you were saying, mm -hmm. Elaine, is that like how like some folks get impatient. It's because there's so much resources and they like reach out to a lot of people. And they're expecting things to just like happen right yeah. now. Right. And, um, immediacy, yeah. Instead of like you, waiting you know, for that immediacy, yeah. You, right. you know what? One time um, I went to Dominican Republic to promote another documentary that I'm in. And I did like a media tour. And then I talked to my friends there. I'm like, hey, show me the gaming community here in Santo Domingo. So they did. And I got to meet a couple of the game developers over there. And one of the one thing that they were saying that was everybody was saying the same thing is they felt like they were left out over there because they were getting no support. There's no conference. There's no, the only resource they had was just the internet. So I got back here and I got to meet Elaine and I told her uh, about my dream. Like, I want to go to the Mercury Republic and give back to see if we could get people from the gaming industry and just give that little push, you know, for people that want to do this in their, in their country, you know, and, and, uh, she, I think, was a was a game developers conference. Yeah, she met someone, GDC. Mm -hmm. She met someone from the American Republic. He's also a game developer, and she told him about it. And uh, he, we stay in touch, uh, and uh, and he hit me up 
and we we set up like this whole free workshop at the Republic Republic. So I bought friends from from Unity. Um, I was also involved, and there was a lot of game developers and even content creators there, man. You know, and I left I left from that conference from that little workshop super uh, proud because I felt like they needed that push, you know, and and now a lot of people are creating some great great games you know because of that you know so like i said it's good to it's good that i met elaine and also um the the people that were handling the workshop over there and other people from the gaming industry because now we're 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 giving back in some way somehow you know what i'm saying so i would like to see that more in the future like i love what what you guys are doing now with lightning's games is that uh, you're doing kind of the same thing virtually now you know hopefully in the future we could do you know going to different <laughs> countries different countries and, and do the same exact thing. Give them the resources, man, because mm-hmm. there's a lot that that needs our help a lot. Yeah. And I think we're forgetting about that. And we're focusing so much of, of here in the States. We have the resources. Let, let's let's help them out, too. Yeah, there's there's so much untapped talent around the world that just don't have the means to do it. They don't have the software that mm-hmm. don't have the hardware. And it can be kind of it can be kind of discouraging. Um, and for anybody who who does have the means, I always tell people, because um, I I you know my Twitter DMs are open, and I always I always get Twitter DMs or Instagram DMs of like, hey, I want to break into the industry. How do I do it? How do I? I'm a content creator. I'm a YouTuber. I'm a I want to be in game dev. And and for me, I think I think one encouraging thing about social media is that every once in a while, every couple of weeks or so, we will see a standout tweet or video or somebody showcasing what they're really fucking good at and you'll see this artist kind of hey i reimagined the old uh i don't know uh castlevania games but i did it in 3d and and you see that stuff go viral and so many opportunities are made because of the stuff that you're making so if you're out there and you feel like it's it's tough to to be shown in the spotlight and uh, like believe me i have so many i have so many uh old um job applications in my old google drives that just went nowhere right and and i would love to have exist right now and create something online and have it go viral and because i think if you are good enough the eyes will see it mm-hmm. and and i i guess that's the more optimistic part of me where i'm usually pretty pessimistic and always like defeatist about most stuff that's just like my personality unfortunately but I think if you're good enough at at whether it's content creation or you're super funny and you're playing games or you're an incredible artist or you have something really cool to show off, if you put that on the Internet, I think if it's damn good enough, people will see it. And we've seen it so many times where somebody creates an awesome video and then suddenly you got, you know, the heads of Disney being shared to them and being like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And that creates opportunities for people. So, like, if you feel like all hope is lost, I think the one good thing because social media can be kind of a pretty shitty place to exist in social media can at least kind of you know at least have a little bit of hope for you if you're trying to to sort of showcase your talent in a certain way and i think it's super important to remember that yeah Yeah, i think um like so for my content right like i worked for shack news and i did a bunch of like smaller game websites the site that i ended up making the content for that got me the job that i'm currently on like was a small indie games website called indie obscura and like the content we were making there was getting like 20, 30 views. Like it was, you know, we're trying to make a new thing. But then I make this one video about this one game developer and eight months later, like they share it with their team. They all love it. And now I literally work there. Right. So like 
it didn't just like magically appear. It was like over time, working for years, making stuff, some successful, some not. But then like something crosses someone's desk, they see it and they're like, man, this is awesome. By the way, I, I also want to say, uh, like we were talking about parents earlier. Um, my mom, a big shout out to her. She was always super supportive of, of whatever weird stuff I wanted to do as long as I didn't go and fly a plane and maybe crash it. So <laughs> shout out to her. Because um, I also think like, um, you know, it's not a lost cause. I feel like sometimes people fall into that trap where they're like, oh man, me, like my elite is not going to get this. But like my mom and my family eventually saw like my f- passion for this thing and it was very real to them. And I wasn't afraid to like let them know that this is what I was really passionate about. And like at the end of the day, your family is going to support you. They're going to love you. Like there were times where, you know, I maybe didn't want to move back home, but I probably should have. And my mom was ready to accept me. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. First one. First one. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like I, I would also say like it, it's definitely a cultural thing, but it's up to us to kind of push more on that and make sure that the people around us are aware of, you know, like these opportunities. It's, it's not easy, but I think my mom, you know, and my family now get it and we have an even better connection because they like understand what I'm doing and, or at least they're trying to. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think even then, uh, your parents always want you back home, whether you have a single mom or single dad or, or both parents, they always want you back home. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that always depresses me because I, I always go back home during July because we go to the rooster teeth convention, but COVID happened and we can't go back home. So this will be like the longest streak that I've gone without going back to the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas and I recently uh, made them aware of the news that I got uh, my first voice acting gig. Uh, and it's a very, very small thing, but it's still like, oh, it's, I've always wanted to do this. I've, I grew up doing theater and I grew up doing acting and I try to do, you know, voices every once in a while. And sometimes they're terrible, but that's that's where the humor comes out of it. And uh, and I got this voice acting gig and my parents went, so does that mean you're moving back to Texas? And I was like, no, it's it's a it's a remote thing. It's a remote, and they're like, ah, oh, damn it, okay. But they're you yeah. know they're still super happy about that. So I'm sure so many Latinos out there can and Latinx out there can relate to the fact that your parents always want you back home. <laughs> you know, I have a, like, a, a and don't be afraid to use that. Right, like it's good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that one of the culture shocks that I found here in American society, like growing up in Puerto Rico, like you stay in at your parents' house until like you know you get married or whatever. So you could be like up to 30 years old still living with your parents and they're like happy to have you. But here it was like, once you hit 18, get out of the house. Like, well, you need to build your own life. You need to go to college. And it's just so, it was the culture shock and the cultural differences was so weird to me. Because I was just like, oh, my parents really love me, I guess, because they don't want me to leave. <laughs> but it's like, there's a benefit to that too. It's like, oh, Link can cook, Link can clean. Like, she can do everything and we don't have to do anything. Hey, I, <laughs> so it was like I, I a think, little bit of a benefit there. I think it is like family dependent because, uh, you know, my family is very much like as long as you contribute, like whatever you're yeah. making at work, you pay some of it towards the house. And that's kind of like where that came from. So, like, I think my parents were always more than happy to have me live there as long as like, all right, whatever you're making at South Texas Buick Pontiac GMC, whatever you're making at whatever, you know, place you're working at. Because I my first job was at a golf course uh, and I thought I was going to be like just one of the ball boys that would go out in little carts and stuff. And I was just straight up a landscaper. I was like, I don't fucking do like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, bro. <laughs> but it was like totally the golf courses way of like, oh, let's get 16 year olds to to do our lawn instead of like actually paying a landscaping uh, company. 
And, uh, you know, whatever I was making there, I found that like all of my money was going to gas money to go drive to the damn car dealership that I got the next job that I worked at. But as long as my parents were like, uh, hey, whatever your money you're making, give us some of that and then you can live here. And I think they were they were totally fine with that. So I think it is like family dependent. But there are some families that are like, get the fuck out. You're 18. Go get a job. Leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to mention this very quick, a uh, quick story about my dad. Like I know earlier I said that he wasn't supportive, but I, I, the reason is he just didn't get the whole thing about gaming. So uh, one time I called him because uh, the Miami Herald interviewed me. So they put me like in the front page of the newspaper. And everything. Was it Greg like, Cody interviewing you? Yeah, Greg. What? What? Greg Cody. Was it Greg Cody? No, I, I know a lot no. of. Uh, I I listen oh, yeah, to I a radio. Sh- I listen uh, to a Miami radio show, so I know a lot of like Miami Herald news people and stuff. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> nah, not him. Nah. But but uh, so so I called my dad. I'm like, hey, pa, pa, I'm in the newspaper, Comprelo and Publix and the supermarket with it, right? So he's like, all right, all right. So he goes. He's a cab driver, by the way. So he goes, picked up the newspaper. He reads it. It's on English, and he's like, he calls me. He's like, Danny, he's crying on the phone the whole time, crying. He's like, Danny, I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get the whole thing, but I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you, man. You know, and 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 then I had to explain to him about podcasting and everything, right? So now that he's the cab driver, still, he picks up someone and he starts a conversation, like, Hey, do you listen podcasts? Like, you know, and he will tell him, Oh, go to this app and subscribe. You know, he uses TuneIn Radio all the time. Uh, Cause you listen to a lot of radio stations from New York or the American public live. And I'm like, but I'm there, but it's not live. It's recorded. So now he tells everybody how to find my show. So it's all about like educating our, our, our family, you know, so they can understand more about that. And maybe they can share and tell their friends too, you know, whoever yeah. they meet. <laughs> oh, for so, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like parents who they just don't understand. Like my parents will like uh, watch like whatever thing I do on Twitch or if I'm at a conference video on the internet, like oh Elaine's famous she's on tv she's on the internet <laughs> and it's just like no <laughs> they just don't understand that you yeah. know what i mean but they're I, happy I nonetheless i think the one moment that my family kind of understood a little bit of what i did and i, I guess my immediate family understands and knows because my brother and i grew up playing video games so he kind of understands and gets the world and he he he's on twitter so he knows who ninja is he knows who all these twitch streamers are whatever but it wasn't until i uh and actually kevin who's running this podcast right now we went to go interview Shaq, and uh and when my family was able to see my outside family my cousins my theos my theos when they were able to see the photo of me and Shaq together they're like oh oh okay this is kind of like what he does because at first it's like what does he do it's like oh it's like it's a new show, but they talk about comics and video games and stuff. And then they're like, ah, I don't really know what the hell that is. But then once they saw the photo of me, all five foot seven of me next to seven foot two Shaq, that's when they're like, oh, wow. OK, this is what he is. That's really, really cool. So that was like their moment of relation to be like, OK, we get it now. We understand. <laughs> Man, Andy, you got to connect the dots. <laughs> What's up, Kev? I said you got a good one because like the first moment where like people outside of like the, the bigger family was like oh yeah we we saw that you did like, did mia khalifa slap your stomach it's like uh, that's right yeah that's right. yeah theos yeah. that's what happened yeah, yeah. All right, i'm gonna go now kevin is peruvian and we had mia khalifa on the show the one week that i wasn't there and uh i was pretty bummed out about that because i wanted to talk shit about her uh washington 
football team. I was going to say Washington Redskins, but that's, that's not what they're called anymore. Did they ever get uh, a after? Kevin, that's a fantastic story to end this podcast on. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like an ongoing thing where like they have me pull up my shirt for, for charity. We do it like, I don't know, what, what is it, every thousand dollars that we donate? Yeah, every every couple thousand dollars whenever we raise money for Extra Life, we do this thing called oh. bongos where Kevin oh, lifts his shirt up and they drum on his stomach. Yeah. And Mia Khalifa ended up drumming on his stomach. And that's, yeah. and that's of that's course, like, that was your celebrity moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Elaine, where can people find you? So people can find me right there on my handle, Chulatastic. That's pretty much uh, my handle for all socials. But I live mostly on Twitter. So if you like game dev stuff and game design stuff, want to find new indie games to like maybe play and follow, like that's pretty much what what I tweet about. Awesome. Danny, how about you? Uh, you can find me at Twitter, Godfrey. Also find me on any podcast app. Just look up Gamer Tag Radio and we're there. Except except Paris Lily, that guy sucks. We don't really <laughs> Paris, to Paris, man. Yeah, we love Paris. Uh, Dan, how about you? Uh, you can find me on uh, on Twitter, girlpantsgr, um, for a gamer reaction. I for for whatever reason can't get girlpants on Twitter, and it really is a. <laughs> fucking... it's okay. I wish I could have <laughs> and. Dana, trust me, I wish I could have at Andy Cortez, but uh, somebody else owns that. And, you know, I think they deserve it more. If you actually go look at that Twitter <laughs> handle, it's a fantastic uh, profile photo that owns that account, unfortunately. Uh, Joe Tirado, how about you, Joe? Find me at, at Stay Mighty, I think everywhere, even my website and stuff. And then, you know, if you want to check out Astroneer, Astroneer Game, that's where, where we do that. Christina, how about you? Silchris, S-I-L-C-R-I-S-88. And for Latinos in gaming, that's our hashtag on Twitter as well. Awesome. And keep that. Uh, yeah, make sure you follow that Twitter account. To anybody listening to this that maybe wants to try to get more advice of how to get into the industry, check out their Twitch streams. I don't know if there will be any more Twitch streams in the future. I'm sure there will be. And that is Latinx in games. That's twitch.tv slash Latinx in games. Uh, I appreciate you all joining me. This is awesome. I'm glad we were able to do this. I'm glad I was able to schedule people and actually act like an adult in order to coordinate all this. <laughs> Andy, Thanks can I say one more? Can I say one more thing before before we wrap it up? I, I just yeah, want to say th thanks to you and the whole kind of funny for doing this because honestly, there's yeah. not a lot of websites in the gaming industry that's doing this. So props mm -hmm. to you guys and True. thank you for for highlighting uh, Latinos, man, in the gaming. Yeah, I mean, oh, it means a course. lot to us for sure. Yeah. Thank Definitely. you. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly shout out to Mario Rivera, who's at uh, that Mario Rivera on Twitter. He's the one who tweeted out, hey, I'm shooting my shot. I'd love to be on the show. I work for uh, Dual Shockers and I would love to be interviewed. And then I brought Dual it to Shockers. the guys and was like, hey, what if we do something like this? And then Tim said, well, let's go all out and make it a whole week then. Why not? Like, why not make it focus around the whole week? So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we work with awesome people that are always um open to you know having more diverse conversations and having uh and, and having it hopefully be more than just four white people with beards on screen <laughs> and i and i and i love them for that um but thank you all for listening everybody you can get the kind of funny podcast on youtube.com slash kind of funny or search kind of funny podcast on all podcast services around the world it's been our pleasure to serve you